Welcome to another episode of For the Love of Dharma. I am your host, Heather Love. I'm excited you're here. I'm doing a special eight-week series based on the teachings in The Book of Joy, authored by Douglas Abrams. This book has changed my life. I'm totally obsessed with it, and I wanted to share it with you. In 2015, good friends, His Holiness the Dalai Lama and Archbishop Desmond Tutu met in India over the course of a week to discuss the nature of joy and obstacles to reaching it. Together, they offered eight pillars of joy, which provide the foundation for lasting happiness. In this series, we'll break down each pillar in detail so that you will have the tools you need to find pure joy. In each episode's show notes, I will include what I personally highlighted in my copy of the book. I will talk about some of these highlights during the episodes, so feel free to follow along as we go. Please join me to finding lasting happiness in a changing world. Joy pillar number one, perspective. This is the first of four joy pillars that are qualities of the mind. The last four pillars are qualities of the heart. Your perspective is the way in which you experience the world. And that world is a direct reflection of what is going on within you. Changing the way you see the world will change the way you feel and how you act, which will then change the world itself. Nobody is right or wrong for their perspective. It is in large part how you were raised and the environment in which you grew up in. It's what you know to be true and therefore shapes how you view the world. Perspectives vary from person to person based on their experiences. The opportunity for growth lies in being able to zoom out and view things from a perspective that we either had not considered before or we didn't know could exist. We won't know anything different unless we make a choice to see things differently. That is really what this chapter in the book is about. It's about noticing your own perspective and then understanding that there may be more to the story than just what you know to be true. This shift in perspective is a miracle. I think COVID actually gave us the opportunity to shift our perspectives a lot, though not everyone took advantage of the opportunity. But we were all forced to slow down and reevaluate basically everything about the way we had been living our lives. Prior to 2020, most people would not have voluntarily done this because they were too busy doing things the way they had always done them to worry about if there was a better way. The first time that I actually remember a light bulb going on in my head about perspective was when I was listening to the audiobook for Stephen Covey's Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, probably about 15 years ago. Back then it was on CDs and I think there were like eight or 10 CDs that made up the book and I would listen to it in the car on my way to and from work. I think I actually still have those CDs somewhere. Anyway, it was eons ago, so I don't really remember the exact details. So I'll adapt the story and fill in my own version of the point he was trying to make. 
I do remember that the story was about a weary mom on some form of public transportation. After that, my memory gets foggy, but it's really not important. Imagine that this woman's baby is crying and her other young kids were running amok and annoying the passengers while she's just sat there doing nothing while holding this crying baby. Now imagine you are one of the passengers on that train and you're on your way home from work. You've had a long, stressful day and your boss yelled at you for not doing something perfectly. You're worried that you might not get the raise that you need to send your daughter off to the college of her choice. You know you should go home and get back on your computer for work, but first you have to make dinner and get your son to soccer practice and get the laundry done so everyone has clean clothes to wear for the rest of the week. You know that eventually you'll fall asleep at your laptop from pure exhaustion just to drag yourself to bed so that you can do it all over again tomorrow. You're tired, you're cranky, you're stressed. And the last thing in the world that you want to do right now is deal with someone else's kid that can't just sit down and be quiet. Now imagine that you knew this weary woman's story. Her husband passed away unexpectedly two months ago and left her with three small kids, all under the age of four, including a baby. She works the night shift as a nurse and is barely scraping by to pay the rent and feed the kids. She has filed for financial assistance from the state, but the paperwork is still going through the system. She hasn't had a proper meal in weeks because she gives everything to her kids. She is taking the train right now to her mom's house so that someone can watch the kids while she is at work overnight. She'll pick them up again in the morning and ride the train 40 minutes back to her apartment to take care of her kids until she goes back to work that night. She is hopeful that she might be able to get the kids down all to nap at the same time so that she can get an hour or two of sleep herself. Knowing her story, do you feel differently now as a passenger on the train? Probably, right? I mean, maybe you would even offer to keep her kids entertained for a bit while she closes her eyes. Maybe you would give her some money from your wallet. Maybe you would do a lot of things. The point is that for most people, understanding more about a situation gives you the opportunity to show understanding and compassion. To an extent, it can take away from the anxiety from your own life because you are now focused on being of service to someone or something else. This isn't to say that your problems don't matter or are insignificant. What I'm saying is that by taking a moment to pause and consider that there is information you don't have, it gives your nervous system that split second to step back and give meaning to what you are witnessing. There is a saying that goes, be kind to everyone because you don't know what they are going through. I can't think of a better way to approach humans. Another way to define changing perspective is the ability to reframe life more positively based on a broader view. If you understand that there is always more than meets the eye, your anxiety and stress levels will be lower, which is necessary in order to have more joy in your life. You can't be anxious and joyful at the same time. You can't feel stressed and joyful at the same time. You can't feel worry and joyful at the same time. 
You can't feel frustration and joyful at the same time. You can't feel fear and joyful at the same time. Those feelings cannot coexist. The way you see the world affects how you feel. So if you choose to see the world from a limited viewpoint and not consider that there may be more information that you have not been aware of up until now, you are making the decision to be less joyful. Some might say that you can't control how you feel or what emotions you have. I used to be of the same mind. However, I have since spent more time learning about how our minds work and what is going on in those brains of ours. Think of it like a circle. Your beliefs create the thoughts you have. The thoughts you have directly impact what and how you feel. Those feelings will cause you to act in a certain way. Those actions create your reality. That reality reinforces the original beliefs, therefore completing the circle. And around and round it goes. In most cases, this is all happening at a subconscious level and very quickly, I might add. So you don't even know it's happening. This is part of why I love meditating and journaling so much because it slows you down long enough that you can be an observer in your own body and really investigate those thoughts to find out what beliefs you have and where they came from. Unless you interrupt this pattern of the loop going on in your head, you will be stuck on the emotional hamster wheel. So you can control how you feel based on how you are perceiving the world around you right now. Now, this is not to excuse behavior, which has no excuse. There are some things that are still wrong, no matter how you look at them or how much information you have. However, even in the worst of the worst situations, Very often, if you understand from a wider perspective, you can see how certain things, even sometimes the really awful ones, might happen. Again, I'm not saying that some of the terrible things we hear about are okay, not even a little bit. What I am saying, though, is that there is always more than meets the eye. And that's all this chapter is really asking you to consider. There are many different angles to absolutely every story or scenario you can think of. Have you ever witnessed a car accident or something else that would have had several people around to tell their story afterwards? Did you notice how so many of the stories were different and even sometimes seemingly contradicted each other? Weird, right? Well, maybe not. This is because we all viewed the event from wherever we were and then filtered it through our subconscious beliefs and formed thoughts about what just happened. So in this instance, physical location could change your perspective. You could have had your view partially blocked by a tree, so you didn't see that a dog ran out in the road. All you saw was that there was a car that swerved and hit another car. Your mind went ahead and filled in the quote-unquote details And you came to the conclusion that the driver was distracted and was probably on their phone, thus causing an avoidable accident. The reality is that the driver was not on their phone. They didn't even have the radio on. 
and was taken off guard when the dog popped up from the ditch and ran in front of the car. The driver, trying to do the right thing, slammed on the brakes and turned the wheel, but it all happened so fast that he hit another car. I've seen similar things happen when describing someone who has committed a crime. He was short. No, he was tall. Well, what is short and what is tall? To my five foot one inch friend, tall might be someone who's 5'10". I'm just shy of 5'10", and I don't think of that as tall. Someone has to be pushing 6'5 for me to consider them tall. It's perspective. We don't intend to make up stories in our head. It just happens. The brain is going to do what brains do. We do this with ourselves too. Have you ever been talking to a friend and she's pissed that so-and-so hasn't called her back? She assumes that the person is mad at her or some other ridiculous story that is now swirling around in her mind. And then she gets mad back and she doesn't even know that her friend didn't call her back because it was her dog that ran out into the road and now she's rushing to the emergency vet. I'm not telling you this so you think the worst case scenario at all times. That's really not the point and just the easiest one to make to go along with this journey that I'm taking you on. It could literally be any situation. And what is happening could be for a million different reasons. That's really what I'm trying to say. And that's really what this joy pillar is about. Don't be so quick to judge. You don't have all the facts. There is a story in this chapter of the book where Edith Eva Eager is talking about her time in a concentration camp as well as after she was released. Side note, if you haven't read her book called The Choice, you should definitely take time to read that one. Anyway, she talks about how our perspective can literally keep us alive or cause our death. She talks about the mindset of those she was with and how it either helped them stay alive or how they died once they lost hope. She recounts how years later, she was at a medical center visiting two soldiers the same day who had both lost the use of their legs in combat. They had the same diagnosis and prognosis. The first soldier was lying in his bed crying about how the rest of his life was doomed. The second soldier was out of bed in a wheelchair saying how grateful he was for this second chance at life. As he was wheeled through the garden, he was talking about how wonderful it was to be closer to the flowers and to be at a lower level so that he could look directly into his children's eyes. Same situation, different perspective. The lesson here is that you get to choose how you will view the world. Will it be from the fetal position or will it be from the garden? I hope this episode has given you some food for thought. It is a loving reminder that not all is as it seems and to have compassion for those around you. We could all use a little more of that in our lives. Until next time, when we talk about joy, pillar number two, humility, thank you for listening and have a magical day.